Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a show packed full of information pertaining to oil and gas. So you definitely want to stay tuned for the show today. But first, I want to talk about our latest issue of Shell Magazine. I'm pretty proud of the cover, and I'm pretty proud of the issue. And mostly because it's our annual Women's Issue Edition, in which we dedicate an entire Shell issue to covering all the dynamic women in and outside of the energy sector. Our cover, Kathy Lane, is the president of Suncoast Resources. And I know you guys know who she is because you've probably seen her trucks out on the freeway. It's those really nice trucks that have a beautiful blue emblem on them that say Suncoast Resources. She's an inspiring and dynamic woman pertaining to how much she gives back to the community, how wonderful her company is running, and she's definitely a powerhouse and somebody that uh, really makes me proud as a woman. But I do encourage you to go to shellmag.com, look at the issue for free, but you definitely want to take a look at it because there were a lot of women that we were able to access and get their stories out there. Kathy is the cover. However, there are many, many women that we also profiled in Shell Magazine. So once again, go to shellmag.com and click on the latest issue of Shell Magazine. It's free. But now we're getting ready to bring on our fourth show in a six-part series with our partner, Agreco, a global leader in power. But before that, we do have to bring on our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, happy to be here. It's another beautiful day in Texas. Isn't it? The weather's been amazing. Well, there's much to talk about. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about something new that you've implemented at uh, Shell Mag. You're, you're blogging more regularly now, and um, you're actually... Uh, you've named your new little blog the Splainer. The Shale Splainer. Yeah, I'm splaining stuff. <laughs> splaining the new issue two or three times a week. Yeah. There you go. I like the uh, new uh, little naming of the Splainer. But I do, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying your blogs. And, um, you know, we are def- definitely looking for more writers who want to join into the blog series as well, just to uh, give us different perspectives from different uh, areas. Uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about today and some of your blogging splainers. You've talked a lot about Permian Basin. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to stay focused on Permian Basin today because there's a lot of discussion out there. You know, last week. There we really is. Right. Okay. So last week when President Trump pulled us out of the Iran deal, you and I were trying to put out messages that you 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 just do not believe and support that oil will go over $100 a barrel and yet right. there were so many media companies picking that up and it was great for headlines but you know we kind of stayed with you stayed with no you know I don't think that's really going to happen being 30 years in the energy industry this week we have a lot of discussion going on about Permian Basin one of them is there's a lot of uh, drillers that are looking beyond 
the Permian Basin and looking into other shell plays. Explain to me what's going on with that. Yeah, well, so, and, and this has something somewhat to do with, you know, all the stories about, you know, trouble getting pipeline capacity, getting your oil and gas out of the Permian Basin, because we have uh, kind of a shortage right now of pipeline capacity. Um, and so companies that are producers in multiple basins, like, you know, several of these big companies produce in both the Permian and the Eagle Ford area or in the Bakken Shell or in the DJ Basin or up in Oklahoma. You know, I think what, what is about to happen and what we're already seeing happen is some of these companies that are in multiple play areas are going to be shifting uh, parts of their, their capital expenditures on drilling out of the Permian right now until this pipeline constraint is resolved and which will happen over the next year and into these other play areas. So I think what, what is about to happen and we're already seeing a little bit is more capital, more dollars coming into the Eagle Ford shell to the scoop stack region in Oklahoma up to the Bakken in North Dakota, because, you know, there are no pipeline constraints there. And, and so companies that have that opportunity uh, who have acreage in multiple basins are probably going to be reallocating resources to some extent. And then the other factor, of course, is just that, you know, we have a $70 oil price now instead of 50 and 40 like we had the previous three years. And so there's a lot more at $70, a lot more of these potential drilling locations in these other basins are economic to drill. Uh, at that price. And so, you know, companies are going to, you know, they have obligations to to drill wells in order to hold leases, if nothing else. So I think you're going to see an uptick in the rig counts in these other basins over the second half of the year and more capital dollars being focused in those other play areas uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, all other things being equal, that money would probably flow into the Permian Basin. But uh so it's you know it's it's good news for for the Eagle Ford and the Bakken and the Scoop Stack basically. Well, you know, interesting in your uh, one of your splainers, uh, shell splainers, uh, this past week, you also discussed uh, why the Permian Basin is more attractive than other shell plays. So this is coming in in one week. You you had a shell splainer that talked about Permian Basin being more attractive than other shell plays, and in another shell splainer, you talked about how how drillers are looking beyond Texas. So explain to me, what is the attractiveness uh, to a lot of the shell players in the Permian Basin as well? Sure, and it's a seeming contradiction, but it really isn't because I, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that over the last two years, there's been this massive boom in the Permian Basin that simply has not taken place in these other play areas. And what I'm trying to do there is just kind of explain why that happened. And, and there's several reasons for it. You know, uh, the big one, the biggest one, of course, is that you have, whereas in the Eagle Ford and the Bakken, you have a single gigantic rock formation that contains all this oil. In the Permian Basin, you have a dozen of those big gigantic formations that contain a lot of oil. And in a lot of parts of that basin, uh, multiple numbers of those formations are stacked, one on top of another. Well, what that means is that, that a, a company that owns that leasehold is able to drill down through, you know, five, six, seven different formations that all are you know, rocks that, that are bearing oil, and they're able to complete in several different formations uh, within a single well bore. So that allows them to get more production out of a single well. 
that increase, increases the profitability of the single oil. It creates all these efficiencies uh, in terms of costs, you know, uh, lower costs uh, per well to drill. And so it's just more profitable to drill there. Um, then, you know, another big reason is just the simple fact that 80% of the Permian Basin is in the state of Texas. And Texans like the oil and gas industry by and large. And, you know, and so we don't see the kind of negative activism that goes on in states like Colorado and and New Mexico and up in the Northeast in Texas. And, you know, the state government also benefits tremendously from the oil and gas industry in our economy. And so we have a, a business-friendly uh, regulatory environment in this state that just is conducive to being able to get your business done. So, you know, the Permian has a lot of other factors going forward, but those are the two main drivers of why we've seen this boom in the Permian Basin, but we haven't seen it in these other basins to this point. Well, and, and, and another area also is that when you look at the acreage per acre they're paying in the Permian Basin, which is prime oil country, oh, it's boy. what, $33,000 an yeah. acre, and you can pick up acreage much less in these other areas, I would imagine that the smaller, maybe more independents are looking more towards, and also some of the large publicly traded, but it just kind of levels the playing field now that they can also go over there with the $70 wool prices and, and still uh, make some money. I right. want to I want to change gears a little bit, talk about uh, LNG in Midland as well. We've had a lot of coverage on uh, that area or that topic pertaining to uh, the price and uh, what's going on out there. Talk to us. Talk to me a little bit about what is going on in Midland. Yeah, there was a really interesting article in the Wall Street Journal this past week about the fact that Again, going to the Permian Basin and these pipeline constraints that are out there, it's not just related to oil, it's also related to natural gas. Most people don't realize that the Permian Basin is the second largest natural gas producing region of the country, behind only the Marcellus Shale. And so there's an awful lot of natural gas being produced out there. And, and just like with oil, we don't have enough pipeline capacity to get it all to market. So that has dramatically reduced the price for natural gas coming out of the Permian region. And that's, uh, you know, uh, this article in, in the journal talked about the fact, well, that's going to be a boon to LNG exports uh, because you're going to be able to put all this dirt cheap natural gas onto that international market. And, you know, US, United States is already able to, to ship LNG and provide it to Europe and other countries at much lower prices than LNG coming from places like Qatar and Australia uh, has to charge. And so... This is just going to give, you know, the chenilles of the world a, you know, a, a bigger competitive advantage on the global market. Now, the, the caveat to that is, again, that's all going to go away a year from now. A year from now, we're not going to have a shortage of pipeline capacity for natural gas coming out of the Permian Basin. So this will all equalize over the next 12 months. But right now, it is a really valid point that that article made that uh, LNG exporters you know, it's a real buyer's market for them right now, and I'm sure they're going to take full advantage of it. Well, you know, it's always uh, so um, interesting to me to see how much work really goes into uh, 
oil and gas exploration, you know, and it it always seems like if it's not one thing, it's another gas prices, (laughs) trying to get it to market, it's coming offline, EPA regulations, um, the Jones Act. I mean, it goes on and on and on the endangered species. It's a lot. This is a very complicated industry, despite what a lot of people think. And uh, this is why our show exists, right? We break it down one topic at a time for all of us to try to understand. But David, that's all the time we have. I look forward to having you back next week when we're going to talk again about the shale splainers and uh, and more. Uh, Until then, have a great weekend. Thanks. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, David Dickard will join us in studio, who is the head of oil and gas for the Americas with Agreco. And we'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. Venezuela hit new snags in its oil business today as ConocoPhillips embargoed two barges of Venezuelan crude and refined products. WTI closed up 48 cents to end the day at $71.49 a barrel. This is Ryan Sitton and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Dickert, the head of oil and gas for the Americas for Greco. And David, I feel that you have helped all of us understand a lot more about oil and gas and how these technologies are coming online that are really helping the oil and gas sector become just way more efficient. So Mm -hmm. you're raising and increasing their profits. But also the company is keeping in mind the importance of also considering the environment at all times. And as we are now on our fifth show, I feel that it has truly become very apparent to me anyways, that this is truly what you guys live, eat and breathe almost is you can do and you can be energy efficient. You can help these operators save money, but you can also help them become greener. And of course, who that's right. a win for all of us. So, no, that's right. That's uh, right. You know, we're all in this together. We all live on the planet together. But today's show is going to be geared around uh, what is going on today in power automation mm-hmm. and how it, power is really affecting the oil and gas sector. Right. So let's begin with telling me what is power automation. So for us, uh, and really for the way we impact the industry, is um, power automation is using the most efficient means of power in real time based on the demand in real time. So it's really how are you matching the capacity that you have installed to the demand that is needed and making sure that you are at 100% as as much time as you possibly can be. So we'll get into a little bit deeper discussion on that, but power automation is, is all about driving efficiency. Well, let me ask you about the process of moving produced oil from the wellhead to the gathering facility, which requires pipeline boost pumps, um, especially in remote locations where utility power is unavailable and the most realistic and cost-effective choices for powering these pumps and generators. What are those? Uh, what are those uh, products? Yeah. So. And services. Right. So in this particular application, what you have is this, you have a central gathering facility 
for uh, the crude oil. And so all of the different production uh, sites, uh, as oil is being produced, it's, it's all coming to this gathering facility. And these large tanks are filling up with crude. And then periodically, at different times, uh, these large pumps will start up and they'll move this crude from these tanks down a pipeline and, and, and take it to, to market, so to speak. So where power automation comes into play with this type of application is that you need a fair amount of power on site to operate the pumps, but when the pumps aren't operating, you, need, you still need power on site, but you only need a fraction of that amount. So... Um, Had there been... Tell me what was happening before Greco got involved. Is there some samples or examples of sure. what so, was happening? So let's say you need 300 kW on site to operate these pumps. So when the pumps are operational, which is, um, you know, say a couple of hours a day or you know, eight hours a day, depending on what the, the, the amount of, of crude that's coming to the gathering facility, what that rate is, um, well, then you're using the capacity of the machine to operate the pumps. But when the pumps aren't operating, um, that 300 kW generator is basically just idling. There's no load on it because all you're operating is um, uh, power for control systems and maybe a few lights here or there. So it's very, very small uh, power draw. But when you say idling... Uh, do you mean that these uh, it's in it's going at full gear even though it's not necessary right. well, so yeah. it's burning right. what energy it is it's burning more diesel fuel uh, it's running in an inefficient state uh, you know if you're talking about diesel engines diesel engines operate at their most efficient state when they're when they're closer to a full load capacity so when I say idling I mean that the the generator itself is, is, is running, the engine is running at, at full speed, it's just no demand on it. So it's not uh, producing that much electricity, the engine's running at an unloaded state and uh, it's quite inefficient uh, and you're burning diesel fuel for no reason whatsoever. Um, so where power automation comes in is we take that and we automate the site. And when we automate the site, that means that the, the, the large generator only starts up and runs when the pumps need to run. There's the energy efficiency. Right. Ding, and, ding, ding. And so the, 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 the challenge that you have to overcome when you do that is, well, how do you run all the rest of the equipment that need power, that smaller scale type power? How do you operate that? So one of the things that we've done is we've designed a battery system. So we actually operate... Um, uh, all the controls and, and all the, the small power that's needed off battery systems. So when the generator's not running, then we're operating the site off batteries. Interesting. There's also a lot of discussion at the EPA level, right? Um, They're the regulatory arm of the government that regulates oil and gas, especially pertaining to the environment. And um, the Trump administration has come in, I'm not going to get into politics, but they basically have managed to undo a lot of regulation that probably wasn't necessary, and they're still looking at the environment. I want to talk about uh, the Tier 4 standards coming mm -hmm. out by the EPA or the EPA has in place when we return from break. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch, and we'll be right back.
From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing SandForce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity fed discharge system is trailer mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of SandForce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. And we're back. Our guest today is David Dickert with Agreco. David, um, before the break, you, you were talking about power automation. And I wanted to get into a topic pertaining to uh, new guidelines that are coming in well, there are actually mandates coming in from the EPA um, on a Tier 4 standards. First of all, what is this Tier 4 standards that are coming in uh, and being regulated by the EPA? And how is that going to affect the uh, energy sector? And then, of course, we can get into right. what is Agreco doing to sure. help sure. manage that. Well, it's all about emissions reduction. You know, the Important out, topic. <laughs> yeah, it's all about emissions reduction, and it's building diesel engines, and we'll talk about diesel engines uh, with this with this category, uh, that have reduced emissions output. Um, so Tier 4 is a, is a new technology. I mean, it's, it's uh, in a lot of the diesel trucks that you purchase today over the road, and it's uh, where you see a, uh, a DEF-type, a fluid utilized as a catalyst to clean up the emissions that's that's coming off of the engine. And there's a lot of electronics that go around the engine as well to to accommodate the tier four specs. And what is Agreco specifically doing mm-hmm. or what what do you see in the way of technology coming online? Is Agreco doing anything to help the energy industry right. in dealing with the EPA mandate on mm-hmm. tier four? Right. Well we're we, we partner with um, engine manufacturers and we're putting tier four engines in, in our machines. And just a fun fact, I mean, um, Agreco globally, Agreco is the largest purchaser of industrial Cummins engines in the world. Really? Yeah. I did not so, know that. So um, out of our manufacturing facility in Dumbarton, Scotland, we, we run a lot of Cummins engines through there. So as we're building our fleet and, uh, and we're working really closely with those guys to make sure that we have Tier 4 capabilities uh, as we move forward. Well, David, we've talked a lot about power automation. And now I guess my 
my question is, uh, or I'm wondering how, tell me a little bit about how this power automation actually lowers mm-hmm. admissions and um, and how it's being utilized. Right. So for us, the engineering of a power automation system comes in a different, uh, a couple of different um, varieties. So one is utilizing uh, generators, either diesel or natural gas generators, in conjunction with batteries. So we're transitioning between battery power and generator power based on a demand curve. Um, And then the other is utilizing technology to automatically start and stop a variety of generators based on load demand. And in both of those cases, um, we're positively impacting emissions because we're taking uh, engines offline. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, think about a 300 kW sitting on a site running 24 hours a day, and you really only need the capacity of that unit for eight hours out of that 24 hours a day, right? So you're just burning diesel fuel and emitting emissions into the atmosphere for no reason whatsoever. Doesn't sound good. So if you can stop that unit from running and go to an alternative power source, right. you reduce the emissions. Right. Well, you also reduce the cost, too. Right. So you reduce the fuel cost. You reduce the, the run cost of the machine. You reduce the maintenance cost of the machine. So anytime you can transition over to batteries, um, you're, you're, you're taking emissions uh, off the table. The other thing with where you have multiple generators and you can start and stop based on load demand is, as an example, let's take that 300 kW system. Instead of putting a single 300 kW on site, let's put three 100 kWs on site. And based on what the need of the power is, we will start and stop any of those three generators uh, at any given time. So if you need 200 kW, you just run two. If you need 100 kW, you need one. And when you need three, all three start up and come online. So you're able to control the output of the emissions based on starting and stopping based on what the demand is. Now, in order to capture all of that information, um, you have to have some type of technology that gives you real horsepower used in real time. So that's where a remote monitoring system comes into play to where on a daily basis or a monthly basis or a weekly basis, you can download real power demand curves and match them with the actual capacity you had online. So when a producer has to report out the emissions that they're using, uh, we're able to couple that type of feature with the power automation. So you get the efficiency in real time, in an actuality on the site, and then through a remote monitoring system, you can actually report to it and prove it. That is amazing. It just seems like this oil and gas industry just keeps getting smarter and smarter and efficient and efficient. And I keep saying that because I think it's important that that we all understand we have a, a totally wrong belief and perception about what's really going on in oil and gas. And it brings me back to um, the conference that happens in Vegas every year. And you just kind of look out there and you realize none of these technologies would be here if it wasn't oil and gas. Right. And and here we are with more technology coming out through Agreco. So when we get back, I want to get back on the topic of power automation. But right now we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Hey, my good friends over there at Oilfield Experts has been buying and selling sand for years. Go ahead and give Clint a call at 210-471-1923. Again, that number is 210-471-1923. You might not know that you actually have money sitting on the ground. So if you have sand, go ahead and give our friends at Oilfield Experts a call at 210-471-1923. And don't forget, if you're in the business to buy sand, go ahead and give Clint a call. He gives very competitive prices. Once again, that number is 210-471-1923. 210-471-1923. And tell them that Kim sent you. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Dickert, the head of oil and gas for the Americas for Greco. David, we've been talking about power automation in the oil and gas industry. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about um, how the EMPs, uh, oil and gas companies are utilizing uh, the technology. Um, but I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the um, disposal wells that you guys are utilizing and your rod pumps with the same kind of power technology. Right, right. So a um, couple of applications to expand out this a little bit. So everybody, everyone has seen the uh, the rod pumps operating on the side of the road as you, you know, the pump jacks that, right. that, are, that are lifting the oil from the ground, uh, you know, your typical look at an oil field when you ride by. So as, as those fields begin to mature, those rod pumps operate um, intermittently throughout the day. Uh, so they may operate six hours a day. You know, some of them operate 24, but there's some of them that, that don't. Right. And when you're in a field that they have no power, uh, typically, you'll put a generator on one of these rod pumps, and, and typically it's, it's fairly small, 200 kW or less on this rod pump. And so you have the same type of situation. Uh, the rod pump runs for eight hours a day or six hours a day or 10 hours a day, but the rest of the time, there's really no power needed. You just need, like, very, you know, the, the, the amount of power that it takes to run a light bulb to, uh, to power the controls of it. But yet you have this generator that runs all day long and just sets at that rod pump and operates and it's only loaded half the time. Wow, that's energy. So we take uh, this power automation, these battery systems, and and we put the generator with the battery system on site. And, uh, you know, when the pump jack needs to operate, uh, through controls and integration of controls, generator starts up, we operate. And uh, when it doesn't need to operate, everything stops and the controls are run off of a battery system. On an average, how much, how many of these uh, pump jacks that are operating actually have and utilize mm-hmm. this newer technology right. versus the old? What would you say the average is? Well, I mean, for us, with what we utilize, we have hundreds of those systems out operating in any given shell play on any given day. 
because uh, it's something it's 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 an application that's beginning to catch on. Right. And uh, uh, there's real tangible benefit in a lot of areas and it's really easily adaptable. So um, it depends on how mature the field is and it depends on, um, you know, how the oil gathering is happening underground. But this is something that can be deployed very fast, and uh, so we have quite a many, quite a, quite a, quite a number of these operating. Um, you had talked about saltwater disposal sites, so saltwater disposal sites are the same way. So you, as you're driving through the oil field, you come across these huge tank batteries that, um, as as oil is being lifted from the ground water comes with it, and that water has to be disposed of, right. and generally that water is injected back into a disposal well back down into the earth. So you have these saltwater disposal sites that these big tanks, these trucks come in, and they offload this, this salt water, and it fills these tanks, and there's these large horsepower jet pumps that will start up periodically across the day and re-inject at very high pressure, re-inject this salt water back down into the earth. Same type of application. The power that's needed is the, the, the main power for that site is these big injection pumps. When they're not running, the power is minimal. So generally, when you don't have utility power at these sites, you ride by and there's these big, large containerized diesel generators sitting there. And, um, you know, these pumps uh, take 1.5 megawatt to operate in some cases, which is a big 40-foot containerized generator. But if the pump's not operating, you only need 30 kW or so on the site to operate. So you've got this big, massive generator that runs. It's not, not needing any power. So you're consuming all this diesel fuel. Uh, you're emitting all these emissions. And you're running through all this cost when, if you had a battery system, you could transition to and run for that length of time. You shut that big machine down. And we do that on saltwater disposal sites as well. Once again. How much of, uh, what do you see utilized uh, in any of the shell plays? How much of your technology is being utilized? Or how much further do we need to go in helping these right. industries move to this new technology? I, I think the big challenge for us is just kind of getting the word out. You know, it's understanding the art of the possible. And it's really understanding the way it's done today isn't the necessarily the only way. Mm-hmm. That or the best practice, or the best practice. So it's just really getting the word out. And um, uh, every time you try to change something, there's a bit of a, a animosity to do that because it's like, well, is this going to be as reliable as what we do today? And you know, this is the way it's always been done. Why don't we continue doing it this way? And what we ask for is just let's have an open mind and. Um, there's enough proof on a lot of these technologies that we're talking about is that they're real, they're viable, they're reliable, they work, and they produce results. So the big reason a lot of this is not being used today is just because, one, people don't know about it, and the second is you kind of have to have an open mind and think differently and be adaptable to change, and away you go. Well, I think also if these different types of areas, the disposal well and the uh, rod pumps, if the um, companies, um, the decision makers, uh, or in the case of the uh, the pump jack, um, understood the cost savings alone um, with why would you not want to do this? So once, you know, they hear about this technology, 
uh, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out, right. you know, you need to be moving to this because it's it's a cost savings right. and there's not a lot of profit right now at sixty dollars on any for anyone out right. there uh, in right. our oil patches. So, David, with that, we do have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to get on a, the discussion of what's evolving here in the future with the Greco and what do you see happening in the energy sector. And we'll be right back with more in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independents, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, call 281-997-7223. And we're back. Our guest today is David Dickert with Agreco. David, before the break, we were discussing how new technology coming online, power automation, is really helping in the areas of the disposal wells and the rod pumps. But now I really, I'm interested in understanding uh, if you're, can you tell me what you see coming in the future with the industry? Um, What new technologies can we look forward to coming on board with? Right. So we can definitely see the industry shifting into the direction of alternative fuels, which we've already talked about, natural gas, and utilization of batteries um, and solar to to bring more efficiency. And the the benefit of Greco is, you know, earlier in one of the segments we were talking about how a lot of the lessons learned that we have here in North America transitions into other countries and we're able to to take that. Right. um, one of the things that Agreco is working on right now on a global scale is how do we take this stored energy concept and scale it larger? So today we're talking about utilization of batteries on relatively small scales of power need, right? In- instrumentation power, um, little small 10 kW power loads such as that. What we're currently working on today is how do we scale that up into a very large capacity? So instead of uh, saying that we're limited for control power, say a rod pump, uh, think forward of saying that a megawatt or two megawatts of battery storage capability to be on site to where, the, where we have large scale power that we can operate that scale over uh, 24-hour periods of time or eight-hour periods through of time. Through a battery. Through a battery. Um, and that battery is recharged with either solar power, utility power, or generator power with natural gas that's on site. So so that's currently in somewhat of a development stage right now. And uh, Agreco recently acquired a, a, a really uh, great company uh, called Unicos, that uh, is an expert in battery development and integration software uh, for battery to utility, battery to generator. Uh, So those guys are really, really helping us change the footprint of that. And, you know, on the global side of Agreco, um, in our power solutions division, 
you know, we were talking about microgrids here in uh, in oil and gas. That's really small scale for us. When we get into our power solutions business globally, we operate um, upwards of 300, 400, 500 megawatt power sites to where we become utilities in different countries. And it's this power automation, this battery technology that we're going to be coupling to that large scale power solution. And we're going to be a net beneficiary of that, say, in oil and gas. Uh, we'll be a net beneficiary of that learning and that development that we can bring that into the oil and gas space to where we can utilize that, you know, 500 kW, 1 megawatt type battery system. That's in the future. It's not available now, but we're under development for that. And uh, we could see that here in the near future. That is just amazing to think about this new technology coming on and how it's being utilized. I think when I when when I think about all of the industry's challenges and there's so much misinformation out there that is fed to to us on how bad oil and gas is and then you you hear the like the six series that we will complete to understand that oil and gas is actually very intertwined with with a lot of these renewables and they're utilizing them and it almost looks like at some point maybe in the near future They'll really be working very well together um, to produce uh, oil and gas. And, of course, with companies like Agreco bringing on these new technologies and leading the way, not just for the United States, David, but also for other countries right. that yeah, there's, you know, you, when I think about how many countries just do not have access to simple uh, basic utilities or water and we every day just wake up and it, it's just a given that you can turn on your lights and um, mm-hmm. provided you pay your, your utility bill, of course. But you have access, we have access to utilities and, and clean drinking water and there's countries that do not. And so as you guys bring on these, these new technologies and, and trying to wrap my mind around that now this, this is going to be utilized in the way of batteries. It's, it's interesting. It's exciting to think that these are going to be great technologies that are going to come in and not only help in efficiencies and, again, of course, the environment, but I think it will also have a huge ability to save lives as well in these countries. And then, of course, you utilize it back in uh, in the oil and gas sector. So anything else that's coming on you for Agreco in this area? Because uh, I'm assuming you guys have been able to help a lot of companies uh, become more energy efficient, but uh, is there anything else that's coming online? Yeah, we've got a number of, um, of, of new product designs when the, in the alternative fuel range uh, that's going to be coming uh, together as well. And more on that global footprint uh, for, you know, uh, power limitations in other countries that you were talking about. Uh, so, you know, we, we develop uh specific applications and technologies for the oil and gas industry that scale out and help other countries. And then on the flip side, because we're global, we have that in reverse. So we're developing technologies and, and different different items like these large-scale battery systems that uh, will transition over into oil and gas. So it's a good complement because we operate in all sectors on a global basis. We're able to complement one another. And because we work so closely with customers that work on a global basis, it, we, it, we have a, a, a large-scale engineering and idea exchange between the two of us. So, uh, good definitely, things. Good things. Definitely visionaries and uh, 
by the way, I want to say congratulations because you guys won the STEER, which is South Texas Energy Economic Roundtable's Eagle Ford Excellence Awards, specifically in this area of power automation. So mm-hmm. kudos to you guys and great job. Right. Thank you. Yeah, we uh, I think we're the first uh, we're the first generator company to win an environmental stewardship award. So that's that's uh, we're really proud. But of But the listeners can hear why you won. <laughs> exactly. And you did win it because you deserved it. Yeah. Thank you again, David. Okay. That's all the time we have for this show. Be sure to tune in next week in which we'll have David back in the studio. David, thanks for coming in again. We look forward to seeing you next week. Okay, thank you. And that's all the time we have, but be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show or follow us on Twitter at Shell Mag. If you are interested in keeping up with in the oil patch radio show or the latest issue of Shell Magazine, you can do that. It's free. All you have to do is go to www dot shellmag.com again that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com and sign up for our free newsletter that is going to wrap up another great show we'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews until then adios in the oil patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas business and in your community every week our host kim Mulatto, along with me alvin bailey will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry you'll hear from industry experts elected officials and many more right here on in the oil patch